Welcome to the Campus Christian Fellowship Podcast for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. This week we are starting our new series looking at the book of 2 Corinthians. And uh, I'm trying to think through of a good title for this series. I, I, I kind of nerd out on titles sometimes. And uh, last semester we went with um, New Lens as our title for 1 Corinthians, talking about how Paul uses the, the lens of the gospel to, to look through and see all the Corinthians' problems and address them with a, with a gospel message. This semester, we've gone with the title of Sharing in Sufferings, um, which is actually a part of the passage that we're going to be looking at today in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians. Uh, the reason I, I want Sharing in Sufferings is because, um, well, you know what, let's just, we'll get into the text and maybe you'll see why we've decided to go with Sharing in Sufferings. Right before we get into that, though, I'm a history nerd. And so I want to give you a little bit of history, a little bit of a timeline of Paul and his interactions in Corinth. Now, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a preface saying I'm going to throw out some dates, some years. Um, this is a really hard thing to determine exactly when these things happen. So these are just kind of estimates, approximations. The amount of time is probably fairly accurate, but the specific years, we're just kind of guessing on that one from a historical standpoint. So don't quote me on this. Don't expect this to be the exact timeline. I'm just throwing out uh, kind of a, a best guess thing. So anyway, here's this timeline. Um, from roughly 50... 50 AD to 52 AD, Paul plants and builds the church in Corinth. So he's the one who starts the church in Corinth, um, this church that he writes to in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. He starts it roughly 50 to 52 AD, and th that whole time he's building up that church. He's there in Corinth. And then from 53 to 55, Paul moves on to Ephesus, um, another area that he's at. When he's in Ephesus, he starts writing letters to the Corinthian church, and he writes this initial letter to the church at Corinth. Now, this isn't 1st Corinthians. Um, this is a letter that probably came before 1st Corinthians that he actually alludes to in 1st Corinthians. He says, hey, according to my previous letter. So this initial letter is that previous letter. Titus then is most likely the one who transports that letter to Corinth, and then he comes back to Paul in Ephesus. When Titus reports back to Paul, he kind of tells him about all the problems and issues that have arisen in, Cor in Corinth um, since Paul has left. And that's what causes Paul to then write the letter 1 Corinthians. And then about in 55 uh, AD, Paul decides to make a trip to Corinth. And he makes what he refers to in the letter of 2 Corinthians as a painful visit. Uh, it, it seems like Paul was uh, having to really take them to task, kind of having to tell them, guys, like you're, you've been messing up and not only that but now i come here and find that you really haven't changed anything you need to listen you need to to be better you need to, you know this is the flipping over tables and making a whip kind of visit that paul has so this is his painful visit to corinth and after that he comes back to ephesus uh, and then again titus carries a letter that paul refers to as the severe letter takes that to corinth um and then while that's happening, there's, there's some things that kind of go down in Ephesus that cause Paul to have to, to move to Macedonia. There's some possibly um, 
some persecution that's going on, some other things. Maybe Paul is being physically threatened, or maybe the ministry is stalled out because of persecution. We don't know for sure. But for whatever reason, Paul has to move from Ephesus to Macedonia. Titus is able to know where Paul's gone to, so he returns to Paul in Macedonia. And from there, Paul hears the report back that, hey, things actually have started to change. Your painful visit, your severe letter, they seem to be making a difference. Um, the Corinthians are starting to change some things. And then so that's when Paul writes 2 Corinthians as a response to those, that hard visit, that hard letter. Um, he's able to come back with a little bit of a softer message that we find in 2 Corinthians. And then roughly around 56 AD, uh, Paul is able to visit Corinth, and that's possibly for the final time, which is kind of the main reason he actually writes the second Corinthians letter that we're going to be studying this semester is kind of ahead of his visit to Corinth to say, hey, this is how things are now. I've noticed that you've made some, I've heard reports of how you've made some changes. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, I want to come to you again in joy since the last time I came to you, it wasn't in joy and I just grieved you. I want to now come to you in joy. So let me write a letter saying this is why I'm coming. Not a bad thing, really good thing. I just want to celebrate with you. I want to hear about the things that have changed, the things that have been going on in the church. Give me that report in person. I'd love, I want to see it. And so that's kind of your context for 2 Corinthians. What's been going on between Paul and the church in Corinth and why he's chosen to write this letter. So let's go ahead and just get into some of the text and we'll get that sharing and suffering passage um, and just hear a little bit about what Paul is talking about uh, to the Corinthian church. So we're going to do 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Now, it's a little bit over-exaggerating, my emphasis there, uh, but there may have been a word that stuck out, possibly because Paul said it like nine times in that passage, but also because I kind of try to emphasize it a little bit every time that I said it. That word is comfort. I think Paul leads here uh, after he introduces himself and, and says that he's an apostle and, and he's writing to this to church in Corinth. He launches into uh, a, a praise. Um, common thing for ancient letters, they would usually have a, a prayer or some sort of exhortation to the gods would be right at the beginning of, of a letter that was written. And so Paul does that for his letters, of course. God being the one that he cares about. That's who he addresses it to. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of all comfort. Paul leads with comfort and continues to, to hammer down that idea of comfort, comfort, comfort. I, I think it's because of the last couple interactions he had with the church in Corinth. They've not been comfortable interactions. They've been quite difficult ones. They've been painful. They've been severe. And so Paul wants to remind them that God is a God of comfort. And that when he comes to Corinth this next time, he's going to be coming with a message of comforting. I want to remind you of, that you've been going through so much. You've been dealing with so much and you've been changing and you've been making things better. And I'm so happy for you I want to come and extend that comfort that God extends to all of us. 
that joy, that grace, that mercy that comes through those, to those who, who follow Christ. That our God is a God of all comfort. But then he also does remind them of sufferings, that they are sharing in sufferings, that we are to share in the sufferings of Christ, that Paul himself has suffered, that they are to share in those sufferings as well. There's a little bit of a thing that's going on here with Paul, because what's happened is he's heard, when he's been hearing these reports back from what's going on in Corinth, he's heard that there's still a few uh, opponents of his within the church. There's still some people that have a problem with Paul, and that are not applying his message and not listening, and, and while he later on talks within the letter about how the majority are, are on his side, that there still are those opponents that exist within the church. And, and we saw throughout the letter of 1 Corinthians that there's some factions, that there's some division within the Corinthian church. And so Paul's been addressing that. But some of that division comes very directly from, should we follow Paul or should we follow somebody else? And a lot of those opponents have been saying, well, this Paul guy, he seems to be suffering all the time. He seems to have all these hardships and all these problems. And like, if he's a messenger of God, if he's this guy that's important, shouldn't he be able to avoid suffering? Shouldn't he not have these kind of problems that he seems to have at every turn? Should we really listen to the Paul? And not only that, but you guys remember when Paul came here and he, and he spoke, right? He's not a very good preacher. He's not that impressive. And so these are the things that these opponents are trying to stir up in the church in Corinth. They're trying to denounce Paul because he suffers too much, because he does, he's not well-spoken. He's not a good preacher. Maybe he's not even someone that the Corinthian church should listen to. And, and there's even some other people that have come in that are, that are much more gifted, that, that have flowery language, that have all kinds of wealth and opulence and all the things that the Corinthians tend to respect and care about and they're displaying these things quite openly in Corinth and, and they never saw that with Paul. Paul was just a tent maker. Paul didn't really ever seem to have it all together and then he didn't want our support and and but it seems like there's still some people who supported him and that seemed kind of iffy and, and and so they're trying to throw out all these ways to denounce Paul and so Paul starts addressing these guys. Uh, sufferings happened. Christ suffered on the cross for us. We're supposed to share in his sufferings. And so when he continues on in this first chapter, verses 8 through 11, he talks very openly about the sufferings that he's been experiencing during his, his time uh, away from Corinth. And, and so 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He's delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Paul readily admits that they've been having trouble, that they've had sufferings, that, that, that while they're in the province of Asia, they despaired even of life itself. 
Now, we're not entirely sure what that uh, what was going on in Asia, some form of persecution most likely, um, some type of opposition. Um, this might be a, a physical threat or that that is so emotionally troubling that, that Paul began to be depressed and despair of life itself. I don't know for sure what that is. All we know is kind of how Paul talks about it, that it's pretty big, pretty stressful, pretty hard for Paul. And yet he has this hope. Because our God is a God who raises the dead. Our God is a God who gives hope, who gives life, who restores, who does all of these things so that we can carry and continue on. That even if there is suffering, God will sustain us. God will give us the next thing. God will continue to help us move on. And I think that's a big part of that message of Second Corinthians. To start off with comfort, with hope with a reminder that, yes, there's sufferings, but God gives us what we need to continue, to move, to go, to do. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. This is what it means to be a servant of God that often you are a suffering servant, that you share in Christ's sufferings, that others will share in your sufferings. But all of this is, is to further the message of who God is, that he is a God who provides. He is a God who sustains. He is a God who delivers. He is a God who raises the dead. And that's, I think, the big message that we should be taking from this first chapter of 2 Corinthians. Uh, a reminder of God's faithfulness, God's sustenance, God's help, even in the midst of our sufferings. Paul admits that he is honest with the Corinthian church. He says, my opponents have used it against me. I have suffered much, but I've suffered on account of Christ." And I pray for you to, to share in my sufferings, to know that it is for God's glory, to show that he is bigger than all of this, all of the problems, all of the despair, all of the hopelessness that comes from being in this world. God is bigger than all of that. And he calls us to more and he supplies what we need. And some of the things that I've been studying more recently, I've, I, I've been made aware of the Old Testament and, and what that journey looks like um, for Israel and, and how that very much should be a reminder of uh, our relationship with God and, 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 and what that looks like. And, and so Israel, during its time in the desert, is continuously... And they're complaining about how hungry they are and about how thirsty they are. And, and God supplies. He says, okay, but in the, in the next couple steps, you know, there's going to be an oasis. And you're going to be able to take a drink. Just keep walking. Keep moving. And I'll give you manna from heaven. I'll supply it every morning that you'll have just enough. And then if you try to keep any more, it's going to go bad. But I'm going to give you your daily needs. I'm going to provide just enough to sustain you for the next day so that you can keep moving, keep carrying on. This is not about you being so wealthy 
and so comfortable that that you don't feel like you need me anymore. This is about knowing what our relationship looks like, that I will provide, that you can trust me to give you what you need. Because I don't want you to be fat and happy, because fat and happy people don't do anything. What I want you to be is faithful, trusting, knowing that I will provide so that I can continue to bring you to something that's even better than what you would have if you were fat and happy and doing nothing. I want you to walk for me. I want you to move for me. I want you to do for me. And I will keep providing along the way. And that's what carries Israel through the desert, through 40 years of wandering in the desert. God is continuously, every day, giving them the manna that they need, helping them to have living water so that they will be sustained and they will progress. And the entire time he is there with them. And that's what living and walking with God looks like. Getting just enough to take the next step, to do the next right thing, to keep moving. Hey, thanks for checking us out and spending some time with us this week. Quick reminder, if you're a student at Iowa State, University of Northern Iowa, or University of Iowa, we would love to connect you with a campus minister. So reach out to ccf.uiowa at gmail.com, and we will make sure we get you connected. Be sure to specify your school in an email. Additionally, if you have questions about anything you've heard today or anything that's on your mind, we would love a chance to answer that here anonymously. So you can also just drop a line there. Again, that is ccf.uiowa at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week and please know that we are praying for you.